children were filthy, sleeping on cold floors, taking care of each other. You're a father. You're a man of faith. You can't approve of that. Of course he can. He's Vice President Mike Pence. He can find a way to approve of anything. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ. Up in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for your listening convenience on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Woo! Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me. Already exhausted before we've even begun. Desi Doyen, how are you, Des? Exhausted you in there? as well, but okay. hey, you know, these are the times we live in. These are, and we've got a very, very big week ahead of us. And Were you, you know, sitting around the house, like me, over the weekend, thinking to yourself, you know... With only 23 or 24 candidates to choose from in the 2020 Democratic presidential primaries, we could use still more Democrats to select from. Were you sitting, were you saying to yourself, you know, uh, specifically we could use more white male Democrats to choose from? In particular, what we could really use is a white male from a key swing state who has run and lost previously in a statewide election to a pretty weak Republican is that what you were thinking? Well, if so, have I got the brand new 2020 Democratic presidential candidate for you. Former Congressman Joe Sestak of Pennsylvania announced on Sunday that he, just like the 23 or 24 other Democrats, depending on how you count it, is running for president. Pennsylvania, of course, is the crucial swing state, which reportedly went to Donald Trump in 2016 by a tiny margin for the first time in decades. Though with the state voting, uh, making most of its voters vote on 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems in Pennsylvania. And with both the state and Department of Homeland Security failing to do any forensic analysis of the voting and tabulation systems in Pennsylvania after the 2016 election, we can never really know for sure if Donald Trump actually won it or not. But let's pretend he did. 
In his uh, lengthy announcement video published today, Sestak, formerly a three-star Navy vice admiral and one-time National Security Council director for defense policy under President Bill Clinton, touted his military experience, his opposition to foreign wars like the one in Iraq, his criticism of Democrats for failing to seek accountability After both that war and the 2017 Wall Street meltdown, he talked about the need to take on climate change as a national security imperative, as well as his previous experience of running for both the U.S. House, where he served from 2007 to 2011 as the highest ranking member of the military serving in Congress, and uh, his experience running for the U.S. Senate, where he lost in 2010 to Republican Pat Toomey in Pennsylvania, though, again, that was on 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems in the state. So we'll never really know for sure. But let's pretend. In his introduction video, Sestak states, quote, our country desperately needs a president with a depth of global experience and an understanding of all the elements of our nation's power, from our economy and our diplomacy to the power of our ideals and our military, including its limitations. He said, so that when faced uh, so that when faced with the decision on whether to use our military, our commander in chief will know how it will end before deciding if it is wise to begin. Well, that sounds like a smart idea, doesn't it? Sestak was elected to the House back in 2006. He served there until he decided to run for the Senate in 2010, which the uh, Obama administration uh, tried to avoid having him run by asking um, Hillary Clinton to offer him a job. Uh, That year, the Obama administration had supported former Republican Arlen Specter. Yes, the Democrats reported uh, supported a former Republican that year after Specter had been pushed out of his party by the farther right Toomey. Sestak reportedly lost the 2010 race to Pat Toomey and later lost the Democratic primary when he launched another Senate campaign in 2016. Now he's running for the Democratic presidential nomination, though has entered the race too late to qualify for this week's initial two-night debate between Democratic hopefuls that is uh, slated for Wednesday night and Thursday night this week. Are you excited about that? Your answer here... Yeah, asking me. Me too. No, I was asking the (laughs) listeners. Are you excited about it? No, not really. But you know, we we, this is something we have to do. We actually have to talk to all these people and get an idea of what they're all thinking, how they all present themselves publicly, all together in a room at the same time. I mean, it's on. It starts now. It starts now. And uh, with that in mind, I'm going to open up the phones in a little bit here to your thoughts. On the upcoming debates, you know, we don't talk about the horse race a lot here. We talk about the mechanics of voting and the many problems that lay ahead for all of us in that regard. But uh, today, uh, it's horse race time. It's on. Um, This is uh, likely my last chance to do so before Wednesday night, the first night of the debate. So our phone number will be 818-985-5735. I'd love to... Uh, hear from you uh, about this week's first 2020 presidential debates, where 10 candidates on each of the two nights will face off for what may feel closer to a speed dating lightning round than an actual debate. But what will you be looking for? 
uh, in that debate between these 20 Democratic hopefuls. Uh, who, would, who do you like at this point? What's the most important issue for you regarding who you wish to support for president in 2020? Our phone number, if you want to line up, is 818-985-5735. Our phones are currently wide open. And yes, you may feel free to advocate for who you like and or bash who you don't. Though, as always, do be uh, prepared to defend your position. 818-985-5735. A few news items of note here in the meantime before we get to your calls. Uh, where am I here? Yeah, well, since we had our, our uh, Supreme Court correspondent, that would be Slate's Mark Joseph Stern on the program last Wednesday. Uh, since then, a few more SCOTUS rulings have uh, dribbled out as the court finishes up its term before heading off to summer break with uh, decisions on a number of very important cases still pending, including two partisan gerrymandering cases and whether the Trump administration may add a question on citizenship to the census, despite lying about their reasons for wanting to do it, and despite newly unearthed evidence proving uh, the reason was, in fact, to decrease the response rate from uh, from those in immigrant communities in hopes of shifting resources and voting power from urban, Democratic-leaning voters to, yes, white Republican voters. Well, on Monday, the Supreme Court uh, struck down a section of federal law that prevented businesses from registering trademarks seen as scandalous or immoral. This was a victory to California fashion brand uh, whose name I have to be very careful about saying on radio. The brand is known as, well, we'll call it F-U-C-T which supposedly, by the way, stands for Friends You Can't Trust. The high court ruled that the century-old provision that was struck down is an unconstitutional restriction on speech after the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office uh, between uh, 2005 and 2015 had refused about 150 trademark applications a year, including F-U-C-T's, as a result of this provision that uh, disallowed trademarks on scandalous named brands. Going after uh, counterfeiters uh, who sold knockoff products using those brand names was also made more difficult by the uh, patent office's uh, unwillingness to register such names. The high court's ruling means that uh, the people and companies behind applications that previously failed as a result of the scandalous or immoral provision that they can now resubmit them for approval and new trademark applications cannot be refused on the grounds that they are scandalous or immoral. The ruling was not entirely unexpected. A couple of years ago, in 2017, the justices unanimously invalidated a related provision of federal law. I told officials not to register disparaging trademarks, finding that, uh, in fact, restricted uh, that restriction violated the First Amendment. In that case, it was an Asian-American rock band who sued after the government refused to register its uh, its band name. The band was called The Slants, and that name was seen as offensive to Asians. 
Justice Elena Kagan said in reading her majority opinion that the most fundamental principle of free speech is that the government cannot penalize or discriminate against expression based on the ideas or viewpoints that they convey. And to prove her point... Mark Joseph Stern uh, notes over at Slate today that Kagan demonstrated how exactly the immoral or scandalous prohibition works in actual practice. The uh, Patent and Trademark Office denied, for example, a trademark to a pain relief medicine called You Can't Spell Healthcare Without THC. They wouldn't allow that to be uh, registered as a trademark, but they did register Say No to Drugs. Reality is the best trip in life. So promoting marijuana was regarded as scandalous, but opposing it is seen as righteous. It also rejected the trademark bong hits for Jesus because Christians would be theoretically morally outraged by a statement that connects Jesus Christ with alleged drug use. But they were willing to register Jesus died for you. So you see the problems we get into here? Uh, When we have the government start deciding what is uh, scandalous and or immoral in uh, Kagan's majority argument against penalizing or discriminating based on ideas or viewpoints, Stern notes, Kagan seemed to be offering a preview of at least her position in the court's upcoming decision on whether partisan gerrymandering is constitutional which the challengers in those cases note uh, to be a matter of penalizing certain voters by diluting the power of their vote due to their political point of view. I will look forward to speaking on this program to Mark Joseph Stern again later this week about this case and uh, the others since we spoke last uh, last time to him last week uh, and any others that come out between now and then as the SCOTUS season wraps up its session over the next week or so um, with, as noted, some big cases still ahead. And in another uh, quick follow-up here today on our Friday program, in a pretty grim segment, we... Uh, We detail the extraordinary argument that the Trump DOJ was and is making in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, arguing that it did not need to supply toothpaste or soap to migrant children who are being held in detention and forced to sleep on cold concrete floors with nothing more than a foil blanket to keep them warm. That despite a longstanding settlement with the federal government that such children must be held in, quote, safe and sanitary conditions. The government was actually arguing that things like soap and toothbrushes were not needed for such facilities to be considered safe and sanitary. Much to the, uh, to the disbelief uh, and even fury of the three federal judges who sat on the panel, hearing this argument, this oral argument last week from Trump's DOJ. Uh, That report was followed by uh, some new reporting coming out of the uh, children's detention centers on the southern border in Texas and Florida from AP and New Yorker, finding horrific conditions for the children there, including some small children, uh, 8 and 14-year-olds who were being asked to take care of infants and two- and three-year-old toddlers in these wildly overcrowded, unsafe, and unsanitary detention centers, or as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez correctly referred to them recently, concentration camps, 
Well, uh, over the weekend, uh, some of the uh, Sunday shows picked up on the reporting of this. Um, Vice President Mike Pence, who claims to be a devout Christian on Sunday, he skirted around CNN reporter Jake Tapper's direct questions about these squalid conditions that these migrant children are living under in these facilities. Pence's answer after he tried to filibuster to keep Tapper from reading some of the horrific reports coming out of those centers that we shared last week, uh, Pence's answer was, uh, well, it was frankly a complete and shameful dodge. This is the wealthiest nation in the world. We have money to give toothpaste and soap and blankets to these kids in this facility in El Paso County right now. We Of course we do. So why aren't we? My my point is, it's all a part of the appropriations process. Congress needs to provide additional support to deal with the crisis at our southern border. But we've got to get to the root causes. We've got to close the loopholes that that human traffickers, as we speak, are using to entice vulnerable families to take the long and dangerous journey. Yeah, and I'm not, journey I'm not taking issue north. with any of that. I'm, but it, I'm it's also the, the, kid, reason, the kids. Just listen to this. this but is Jake, a- Jake, it's also the reason why the president a few short weeks ago yeah. said that Mexico needed to step up. And they he did. Was, he and was they gonna are. Begin, he was going to begin to impose... Five percent tariffs escalating from there. I was in those negotiations on day one with the secretary of state. And now, as we speak, Mexico is sending six thousand national guard to their border. Right, exactly. And for their border, their southern border, we know they have agreed to allow all asylum seekers from Central America to remain in Mexico. While they're being, but I'm talking about processed. the kids. I'm talking about the kids I mean, in our custody right here, now. Just listen to this. This is the New Yorker Jake, citing a team of lawyers who just Jake, visited Jake, a here's, Get it in, Jake. Fact, right? Get it in. I'll answer you. I question. just want to read this quote. The conditions here. the lawyers found were shocking. Flu and lice outbreaks were going untreated. Children were filthy, sleeping on cold floors, taking care of each other because of the lack of attention from guards. I know you. You're a father. You're a man of faith. You can't approve of that. Well, I, it, no, no American, no American should approve of this mass influx of people coming across our border. It is overwhelming our system. No, that's not what he was talking about, Mr. Pence. He was not talking about the mass increase of people coming over our border. He was talking about the way that the United States of America treats children in detention without giving them soap, without allowing them to shower, as uh, they are infested with lice and the flu. So, yeah, uh, Mike Pence, the Christian, is outraged about the number of people who are fleeing poverty and violence, trying to come to a safer, better America, only to be thrown into concentration camps. Apparently, Pence had nothing to say about the children living in those squalid conditions, nothing about why we cannot afford to apparently give them soap and toothbrushes, even though, as he admits, yes, we can afford to do so. And that's the Christian right for you in this country, sort of in one shameful nutshell. It's uh, it's blame that it's the Democrats fault in Congress. That's what they're saying, because they haven't given more money to the border, even though Spending has increased by billions of dollars, and Donald Trump is busy stealing money from the military under a fake national emergency to build his border wall. But he's not stealing money to give soap and toothbrushes and blankets and mattresses and more personnel to take care of children and toddlers and infants. 
Now, just before airtime, some good news on this. Uh, what suffices for good news these days? Almost 300 migrant children have now been removed from a Border Patrol facility in Texas, according to NBC News, after media reports of lawyers describing appalling and potentially dangerous conditions. Lawyers who recently visited two Texas facilities holding migrant children described seeing young uh, children and teenagers not being able to shower for days or even weeks, inadequate food, flu outbreaks, prolonged periods of detention. The children who were removed were being held at a border station in Clint, Texas. Uh, That's south of El Paso. Some were wearing dirty clothes covered in mucus or even urine. According to Elora Mukherjee, the director of the Immigrants' Rights Clinic at Columbia Law School, teenage mothers wore clothing stained with breast milk. None of the children had access to soap or or toothpaste, she said. She said, quote, almost every child I spoke with had not showered or bathed since they crossed the border. Some of them were more than three weeks ago. She said there is a stench that emanates from some of the children because they haven't had an opportunity to put on clean clothes and to take a shower. I have never seen conditions as appalling as what we witnessed last week. She said the children are hungry, dirty and sick and being detained for very long periods of time. All of this underscores, frankly, how election 2020 Cannot get here soon enough at this point. And uh, we are finally now just under 500 days away. But who's counting? Uh, And in the bargain after the uh, 2016 fiasco, when we still don't actually know whether Donald Trump actually won the Electoral College or not, because nobody ever bothered to count the ballots or examine the computerized voting and tabulation systems in Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania, Where, by the way, in those three states, just an average of two votes recorded for Hillary Clinton instead of for Donald Trump would have made her the president instead of him. But much of the country right here, including right here in Los Angeles, is now going to make it harder, not easier for us to know who actually wins the elections next year. By introducing 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems. Yes, even here in Los Angeles County, the nation's largest voting jurisdiction. Uh, And all I can do is keep telling you about it. Now, over the past week or two, we have been covering a host of electoral disasters uh, ongoing in the swing state of North Carolina. Uh, from at least three different lawsuits regarding the state's GOP, uh, state GOP's decade-long uh, gerrymandering schemes on both the racial and partisan level, both found to be in violation of the U.S. Constitution multiple times, and both at the U.S. House and state legislative levels for North Carolina. That's one of the cases we're expecting soon to hear from the Supreme Court, who may allow that partisan gerrymandering to continue. We've also covered the the North Carolina state's continuing attempts to restrict voters with draconian photo ID restrictions. The recent GOP absentee ballot fraud scandal in North Carolina that led to the cancellation of election results from last November in the state's ninth congressional district, U.S. House race with an upcoming do-over election for that still-vacant House seat this September. We've reported on the DHS finally agreeing to examine North Carolina's voter registration computers from 2016. 
after reports on Election Day that year found voters who had uh, who had come in to vote at the polls found themselves to be unregistered or were told that they had already voted by absentee when they had not done so. That DHS interest two and a half years later after the 2016 election comes on the heels of the Robert Mueller special uh, counsel report confirming that two county voter registration systems in Florida were penetrated by Russian intelligence with a spear phishing attack via the uh, private voter registration firm called VR Systems, which is also contracted to do voter registration in the state of North Carolina and in other states. Then there's the uh, recent revelation reported on air for the first time here on the broadcast about two weeks ago that master voting system passwords in North Carolina were discovered online by a data researcher at the North Carolina State Board of Elections website. He told us that the passwords had just been sitting there for the voting systems, available for download by anyone, no password necessary, and they had been there for years, going back before the 2016 presidential election in this very closely divided and perennial swing state of North Carolina, which Trump is said to have won in 2016 by a small margin. So even in North Carolina, with all of those problems, at least some people there understand the dangers that apparently L.A. County and the state of Georgia have not figured out the dangers of voting systems that do not include hand-marked paper ballots, something that is shockingly slipping away in advance of the crucial 2020 presidential elections in jurisdictions around the country, which is insane. Uh, You know, Philadelphia is moving to 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems just like we are here in L.A. County. But that, Philadelphia, of course, that's Pennsylvania, the swing state. And uh, the system we are moving towards in uh, Los Angeles before the 2020 primaries will uh, be a touchscreen voting system, which computer marks a ballot for voters which cannot be verified by anyone after an election as actually reflecting any voter's intent. It prints out a piece of paper, but who knows if the voter was able to verify it or even verified it accurately. All of this in time for the 2020 primaries on uh, Super Tuesday on March 3. Now, I've invited the L.A. County Registrar Recorder, uh, whose brainchild this is, uh, Dean Logan, on the show to talk about it. So far, he's been unwilling to take my, take me up on that offer since he was last on with me back in 2013. Uh, he'll still talk to me on Twitter, but he, he won't answer all of my questions there for some reason about this new, dangerous, unverifiable system coming here and, of course, elsewhere. But in North Carolina, the recently resigned council for that state's board of elections, with all of their problems, he understands the need for hand-marked paper ballots for all voters in the state, as he discussed last week on a Spectrum TV show in the in uh, in the state called uh, what's it called Capital Tonight in North Carolina. This is from the interview with sadly because he's great now former North Carolina Elections Board official Josh Lawson, as interviewed by Spectrum's Tim Boyum. One of the things I think people don't know and I would find interesting is there are different machines in all sorts of different counties across this state. Right. Elections there. Would it be easier and helpful if everybody voted the same way in the state, no matter what county or community you're in? 
Well, I'm a private citizen now, so I get to say whatever I think. <laughs> I absolutely think that the way that two-thirds of the state already votes, which is paper ballots that are hand-marked, that's the way to go because you have a, a number of errors that could occur are mitigated right off the bat. If you have a power glitch or if you have some kind of software issue, you're not going to be left with a stack of blank paper rolls. Uh, you're going to have still the ballots that can be tabulated off-site somewhere else later on. Uh, so we have a lot of experience in hand-marking things in this country. We do it throughout the school system. We know how to use a Scantron. Uh, and since, tw uh, since 2000, we've had much better processes in place for that type of thing. So I think we could do in 100% of the state what we already do in two-thirds of the state. Should the state consider that? Or you know, I mean, obviously, it's the way that these are made up. We have county elections board. But the state right. could, fr frankly, force these counties to do it that way if they really wanted to, right? They could, and I think that there's some room for questioning what the legislature meant when it passed new legislation saying that every single vote had to result in a paper ballot that the voter could verify. Right now, there's a machine that's up for certification. It was up for certification a, a week and a half ago. will be up for certification later. They paused that decision. Where what it prints out are your selections in readable form, but what's really getting scanned are barcodes at the top of those ballots. And voters, of course, and human beings can't read those barcodes. And so I think that there should be some inquiry as to what that legislation really meant. And it may be advisable to make that call, given the current environment, to switch to all paper, all hand-marked paper ballots. All hand-marked paper ballots. That was Josh Lawson, the now former counsel for the North Carolina Board of Elections, describing a system that they were uh, considering using in North Carolina that prints out the voter's selection uh, but is essentially unverifiable. It counts from a barcode, and even if you read the human-readable portion to try to count the ballot later, you can't know if uh, the voter, if it actually reflects the voter's intent. But of course, here in Los Angeles, we are now switching to the very type of systems which North Carolina has for now put on hold due to the concerns about computer-marked paper ballots. And by the way, uh, our systems here in Los Angeles will uh, print out those human-readable selections, um, but it will be the QR code, which is a type of barcode. Uh, that's what will be tallied, and of course studies show that we can never know if the human-readable portion if anybody ever bothers to try to count it, if that actually reflects the intent of any voter. That's why the U.S. House passed H.R. 1 and Senator Ron Wyden up in Oregon uh, has introduced the PAVE Act in the Senate to mandate hand-marked paper ballots, hand-marked for every voter. Oddly enough, Mitch McConnell in the uh, Senate will not allow any election security bill come up for a vote in that chamber before the 2020 election. And to make matters worse, the Democratic Party has mandated that states that still use caucuses like Iowa and Nevada during the 2020 nominating cycle, rather than statewide primaries, that those state caucuses must allow for some form of remote voting either by phone or, yes, internet voting, insanely enough. We spoke to election integrity journalist Steve Rosenfeld about that uh, mandate a few months back and how Democratic parties in states like Iowa and Nevada are now scrambling to slap together some sort of system from some private vendor or another uh in advance of these caucuses <laughs> so uh and if you haven't heard this show if you just fell off the turnip truck yes internet voting is the least secure the uh, the least verifiable form of voting well 
Anyway, we might have some good news on that front, uh, as the DNC may, may now be rethinking its mandate there. At least I hope. Uh, I hope to have Rosenfeld with us on tomorrow's broadcast to discuss that possibly good news. But um, as to the political side of all of this, the horse race side of all of this, as of Wednesday, we will be uh, underway with the first official debates of the 2020 cycles between 20 different Democratic candidates over two nights. In advance of that, I would love to hear from you about what you will be looking for on Wednesday and Thursday nights. What you see as the most important quality in the next Democratic uh, presidential nominee, whoever he or she may be at this uh, early, very beginning stage of a long campaign. And if you wish, who do you like so far and who do you not like at this point? My phone number, if you'd like to ring in, is 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. I want to take your temperature at this point. Give me a call uh, if you are in our live listening area in Southern California or uh, following along on the internets from anywhere. I'd love to hear from you. Now's your chance. Advocate for who you like. Uh, feel free to attack who you don't, I guess. Phone lines are open. Uh, 818-985-5735. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Yeah. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. With the wrong version of the music there, we meant to say, call me. You can do so right now at 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. Desi will, of course, be docked accordingly after the show, fired as usual, which we try to do maybe once a week or so. Uh, so welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, the presidential hopefuls are setting up podiums. They are having test debates uh, practice debates this week, according to the New York Times, uh, candidates like Washington Governor Jay Inslee, is, uh, who is running almost solely on the theme of the need to take action against our worsening climate crisis. He realizes that the debate is a rare chance to drum up some name recognition. He says, for a candidate like myself, who is essentially unknown, there is a great chance 
to make a first impression on the nation. He uh, said that I think the dialogue will be much more between the candidates and the viewers rather than between the candidates themselves. But we will see, he said. Uh, For those like former Vice President Joe Biden or Senator Bernie Sanders, who are both currently at the top of most polls, although uh, along with Elizabeth Warren, who has surged in front of Bernie, if not Biden, in a couple of them, uh, much of the the deliberation in their camps is said to be about whether or not to stay above the fray or to take on each other directly. Bernie and Biden We'll be on the same stage on Thursday night with Warren uh, appearing with the group on Wednesday night. All the candidates uh, are putting their own unique spin on their long practice sessions, according to the paper. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York has set up camp in a repurposed car dealership with her staffers standing in for other candidates. Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey is punctuating his answers with push-ups, which I'm not altogether clear about. Senator Amy Klobuchar has been studying tapes of the 2016 Republican debates featuring a similarly crowded field. But uh, the debates will be this Wednesday and Thursday, the first of them, the first of many, starting at uh, 9 p.m. East uh, on the East Coast, 6 p.m. out here for those of us on the West, hosted by NBC. So before we get there, I'm hoping to take the temperature of some of our listeners What are you looking for on Wednesday and Thursday? What are you looking for in a 2020 presidential candidate overall, a nominee overall? Have you already made your decision? Those of us in California will be voting pretty early next year for the first time uh, in on uh, Super Tuesday on March 3, which I have got great concerns about, but I will save those for another day. Who do you like? Who do you not like? And who would you be willing to vote for even if you didn't like them? Uh, Similarly, who would you not vote for no matter what at this point? 818-985-5735. Let's go to Christopher in L.A. Hey, Christopher, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad. Great show as always. Thank you, sir. Um, Okay, so I'm I'm a Bernie guy. I was, and, and I like Warren a lot. The sad part is that they have to fight not only the Republicans, but the Democratic establishment at the same time. So, so they have to deal with that, and and I'm and I'm here to bash Biden a little bit. Uh, you know, he he voted for the Iraq War. He voted for deregulation of banks. His state is like a credit card bank state, and you know the Delaware, yeah, yeah, Delaware. Like it's up to twenty six percent interest, whatever. Yeah, and then he's bragging about you know the, the his he, he could work with these you know old racist senators in the past and here here's a quote that uh i didn't hear a lot of people talking about that he i think he was in front of some uh wall street guys and he's saying you know don't worry there's not going to be any fundamental economic status change for anybody i mean he literally said that Mm. and 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 that's a that's a flag to them like i'm not going to come after you guys for higher taxes or anything like that and basically telling the rest of us the middle class and the working poor, your status is not going to change either at the same time. I wanted to throw yeah. in also, I, I gave my, my mother-in-law and my wife the Washington Post at, uh, uh, Mueller report. Yeah. And I'm very proud to say my mother-in-law just read, finished all 700 pages, which is more than I, can, I know for a fact that anyone in Congress has done for our fearless leader, the president. Yeah. And my wife, my wife is almost done with it. Right. Basically, her conclusion is 
that if the American public read that entire book, that, that, that this guy would be out of office, like, immediately. Yep. He would be gone. And yep. unfortunately... No one's doing that. Well, the problem is that the White House is 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 purposely trying to prevent any of the witnesses, Don McGahn, Hope Hicks, et cetera, from testifying in public, Robert Mueller himself from testifying in public uh, to spell out what is found in that report. Because, yeah, you're right. People are not going to read. Uh, the report is actually 448 pages, but when they turned it into a book, it might be more like 700. So anyway, Chris, uh, I really appreciate your thoughts on that. I got a lot of folks I want to get to. So. You are a, uh, a go for Bernie or Elizabeth, not so much for Biden, it sounds like. Thanks, Christopher. I appreciate the call. Let's go to Bill in Lake Elsinore. Hey, Bill, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, Brad. Very briefly, I'd like to just point out that I'm not going to refer to these as debates. They're, it's a pageantry. And could you <laughs> speak on how the debates have been co-opted by a media group or some kind of uh, uh, con- uh, private for-profit? Thank you, Brad. Well, uh, well, I mean, right now, I wouldn't say that they are co-opted and uh, for profit. I mean, they are for profit. They are uh, run by a private group. In this case, it's NBC. But in theory, the uh, the uh, candidates will be able to respond to whatever it is they would like to respond to. I don't know. I'm not going to. I I'm sure. At, you know, ask me on uh, Thursday and or Friday when we cover those debates uh, about any complaints that I have. I suspect I'll have some. I always seem to. Uh, but let's let's see what they offer. 818-985-5735. I notice a dearth of women calling in. So women, call on in, and I will try to get you uh, to, the, to the top of the heap here to balance things out a bit. 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to uh, Barry in L.A. Hey, Barry, welcome to the broadcast. Uh, what are you looking for? What, who, what sort of thing will you be looking to see in these uh, debates as far as helping you to make your decision for 2020? Oh, my dream team starts with Bernie Sanders. It has since he was back in the House. And I cannot imagine anyone better to be a heartbeat away than, than Elizabeth Warren. Mm. That's, a, that's a dream ticket, and I have a feeling that's just dreaming. But that's my preference. And I don't have anything bad to say about the rest of them because I don't have anything good to say about the rest of them. <laughs> it's, Bernie, it's, it's Bernie and Sanders. Okay. Uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Bernie and Warren. Okay. All thanks. the way. All right. Uh, thanks, Barry. I appreciate that. Uh, who did I see? I saw somebody on, on Twitter who suggested um, the ticket be uh, Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren. That way uh, it would sound like Harris Warren and that sounded enough like a white guy that maybe uh, they could get him through somehow or another. 818-985-5735. Uh, there's Allison in Pasadena. Hey, Allison, welcome to the broadcast. What, what will you be looking for in the uh, Democratic debates on Wednesday and Thursday nights? Hi, Brad. Uh, I'm actually calling in about voting. Um, I'm very open to anyone who talks about housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work with tenants in Pasadena as part of Pasadena Tenants Union. And what we're seeing with buildings being turned over and sold is entire voting blocks being lost. Mm. So I've worked with a building recently, 16 units. So we're talking 10 kids and about uh, 20-odd adults. Um, Their units are, they just got notices. They'll be out. And when those units come back online, whenever they're finished being renovated, they're going to be starting at $2,000, between $700 and $1,000 more than they are. But that's an entire block of voters turned out. 
Mm, yeah, we have that some. Is actually, my big concern is representation of voters um, in this election due to sharp housing costs. So, yeah. anyone who's talking about housing or immediate rent freezes, but when you look at participation of working class people, um, it's pretty dire with people being turned out of our house. Now, of course, uh, on uh, on the on the on the micro level, obviously, uh, housing, voting, uh, tenants' rights, and so forth is a very uh, you know micro local level issue. But it's uh, homelessness and so forth is a problem across the country. Uh, is there any uh, particular candidate, Allison, that uh, among uh, to just sort of broaden it out? Is there any particular candidate among the uh, the national candidates on the Democratic side who might be better than any others as you see it in that regard? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, and he's kind of a, a, a distant one right now, but Julian Castro, um, you know, his former position, and he's also talked about it. Kamala Harris, mm-hmm. um, Elizabeth Warren. Um, but there are things at the national level we can do in terms of getting rid of the LLC disappear- disappearing cloak that a lot of these property owners can hide under. Mm. There are certain tax advantages that were brought in with the um, Trump tax plan that uh, you know sort of promoted spiking rents and turning people out. Mm-hmm. So while you're right that like local issues are dictated by local city councils, so that's why I also want people to stay focused on their local races in addition to national races. Yep. There are certain overarching policies um, that can help keep people in their homes Thanks, to Al- vote and participate. Thank you. Thanks, Allison. I appreciate that. Of course, Julian Castro, the uh, former Housing and Urban, Urban Development uh, Director under the uh, Barack Obama uh, uh, administration. Uh, let's go to Nancy in L.A. Oh, Nancy, you support Jay Inslee, do you? Why is that? Well, he, he's basing his whole... Uh, orientation to what needs fixing mm-hmm. on climate change. And I, I have to tell you, uh, after reading uh, The Uninhabitable Earth, a book that doesn't that lays it out exactly what we're in for, uh, we need to get serious about uh, changing our lives uh, to mitigate, actually reverse climate change, because it's the most serious thing that that uh, it faces our species. This is yep. a species extinction, and the one I'm talking about is us. Yep. Yep, you're absolutely right, Nancy. Uh, that's why I have also been very happy to see Jay Inslee in this race. Whether or not he uh, succeeds, whether or not he rises to the top, I think uh, whatever his presence does to force others in the race and force, frankly, the media to raise these issues at these uh, debates, uh, that could not be more important on an existential level. Thanks, Nancy. I appreciate that call. 818-985-5735. Who do we go to? Well, let's go. Let's let's, let's, uh, pile on here. Uh, Jennifer in Riverside also supports Washington State Senator, uh, State Governor Jay Inslee. Hey, Jennifer, welcome to the Bradcast in Riverside. Yes, uh, I like Jay Inslee. I don't think he would make it for president because he's not popular enough, but... I think he'd be a great vice president, mm. and I like Sanders and Warren and Harris for okay. president, well, and I get to bash one of them. Go, go for it. Who do you want to bash? Uh, Hickenlooper from Colorado. Hackenlooper. Hackenlooper. You're right. You're close, closer and with Hackenlooper. I'm yeah. Colorado, yeah. and my environmental friends call him Governor Frackenlooper because he's a big fracking guy, Yep. So an oil and gas guy, so... 
that's my blessing of him. I do not support him at all, no matter how good he does. I hear you, Jennifer. Thank you very much for that. Uh, a vote against Hickenlooper, the uh, fossil fuel-loving uh, for- former governor of Colorado. Yeah, former governor of Colorado. Uh, let's go to uh, Joseph in Ojai. Hey, Joseph, welcome to the broadcast. Who who do you like? Who are you? What do you? What will you be looking forward to on Wednesday and Thursday? Uh, I I had my first. Uh... My first warm feelings to Bernie back in the last uh, uh, election. Yeah. And, uh, especially when that little bird landed on his podium up in Washington. <laughs> yes. I remember yeah, that, that bird. Very sweet. Yes. And also, I don't disagree with anything he says. He's very uh, uh, practical, common sense, and very uh, humanitarian. And he's, he's not confused by frivolous issues. Um, I like uh, Elizabeth also very much, okay. uh, but I, you know, uh, I don't know whether she could uh, hold her own in, uh, you know, maybe uh, uh, intellectually she could, but, you know, it, it's a tough world when you get in there. And also, I'm kind of concerned for Bernie's safety, mm. because even the, de- even the Democrat uh, corporate uh, establishment would rather have Trump in there than then somebody like Bernie, who's a socialist, you know, like they don't want to rock the boat that much. And I, I don't trust uh, any of the political uh, establishments, uh, either one. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of concerned that for Bernie's safety, if he happens to win. You know yeah, well, no, I hear you. And I hear I, I mean, I'm sure you remember a lot of people were worried about Barack Obama's safety if he happened to win. Uh, but we were able to protect him for eight years. And hopefully the same would be true for Bernie Sanders. Joseph, uh, I appreciate that call. Joseph from Ojai. Uh, let me uh, take a quick break and come back with as many of your calls as I can possibly try to fit in here. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Uh, a caller who uh, could not hold uh, rang in to say, who can we call to complain to about L.A. County's new voting system? Well, you can go over to lavote.net. That's the uh, main L.A. Vote site, and uh, you can try to leave a message somewhere there. You can call. You can leave a message for uh, uh, the uh, Registrar of Voters, Dean Logan. You can uh, try to reach the L.A. County supervisors. In many respects, I fear this is a done deal. So all I can do at this point is try to warn people about it. And I would tell you to vote with a hand-marked paper ballot by mail uh, to actually deliver it on Election Day instead of by mail. At least that way you get a hand-marked paper ballot. but there are concerns about that, too, given the uh, the fact that the L.A. primary, the Super Tuesday California primary comes just three days after South Carolina. Anyway, that's for the days ahead. That's why you need to listen to the broadcast every single day of the week. Quick break and we are back with more. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks.
Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. We got a ton of calls, so try to be quick here. Uh, who, who you're supporting, who you're against, and or uh, what it is you think is the most important quality uh, for a candidate to have here as we head to the debates this week. And uh, in Miami on Wednesday and Thursday. And, of course, we'll try to reconnoiter uh, next week and see how they went for you. But let's go to uh, 818-985-5735. Paul in Glendora. Hey, Paul, welcome to the broadcast. Who, who do you like? I suggest Sanders and Harris. I said no one's made that suggestion. It's always Sanders and Warren. But Sanders and Harris would be a really good balance and would appeal to a lot of voters. Why? Why? Um I guess we do have one that I think that they're not quite ready to elect a woman president yet mm. in the in this country, and then Harris would be the next in line, and then she has the, a little more conservative side, so they kind of balance out. I'm thinking for the overall voters. I'd like Bernie all the way, but I think Harris, as his running mate, would be the next in line, and people would, that would appeal to a lot of people, and a lot of uh, just all, a lot of uh, colors all the way through would match that ticket. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate that call. We are definitely in Bernie land out here, aren't we? Um, let me uh, get, hit Bob. Hang on, Bob. Where are you here? Uh, number four. There we go. Hey, Bob from Gardena. Welcome to the broadcast. Yeah, Brad. Actually, I have a question. I understand the DNC has given marching orders to all candidates not to talk about climate change, or climate catastrophe. I have anything about that? No, I have heard. Absolutely nothing of the sort. I would be dubious of where anybody you heard that from, wherever you heard it from. Now, what they did do was uh, Jay Inslee was talking about having a, a, a debate dedicated only to climate issues, since, as almost all the Democrats say, it's an existential issue. You would think that it wouldn't be too much to ask to have one debate solely focused on that issue uh, with, you know, 20-something different candidates, all who, many of whom seem to have uh, various uh, climate plans. But no, I heard no such thing as marching orders from the DNC, uh, banning discussion of climate change. Please be careful about uh, the information that you get and make sure it comes from good sources this year, Bob. Uh, did we, all right. Pretty reputable. Pretty reputable. Uh, what, what was the source? Counterpunch. Counterpunch? Yeah, I'd have writers. to. Yeah, I'd have to see exactly where it came from. Uh, who who was quoted there? Who the source was? I would be dubious. Uh, I but but we'll see. I'll try to give it a look, Bob. And feel free. Uh, you can drop me e- email. I'm bradcast at bradblog dot com if you want to send me the link to that story, and I'll try to get to the bottom of it. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. Uh, who should we go to here? Um, Des, you got us. Uh, there we go. Let's go there. That is Will in Santa Barbara. Hey, Will. Welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad. Um, well, I just love Bernie Sanders. I think he's the real deal. He's been totally consistent. And I just want to uh, say that, you know, despite the media is always saying that Warren has all the plans and the details and all that, I just mm-hmm. want people to know that Bernie's got a ton of plans that he's actually got in written legislation okay uh, and will i've got a question for you if bernie uh and uh warren and the others do not make it and joe biden ends up winning the nomination will you be voting for him next year you know i will vote for whoever is the nominee because it's you know it's more most important to beat trump but i think if it is anybody other than bernie will roll on the dice i, I actually think that the polls showing biden uh whooping trump are 
are probably not going to hold up um, once they're actually debating each other. And mm-hmm. you know, Trump, Trump bashed Clinton for voting for NAFTA, for being pro-NAFTA, and for pro-Iraq war. Well, Biden's the same thing. So it's going to be a tragedy if it's Biden because I think he'll do the same thing, and he might just be Biden. And anybody other than Bernie, I think, is, is a roll of the dice. I think Bernie would win by a landslide because he appeals to independence, to the populists. I got it, and uh, but you would vote for Biden if he ends up winning the nomination. I'll vote for I'll vote for whoever gets the nomination. That's the spirit. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, very quickly, okay. I know minutes left. Let's fly through as many as we can. Bill in Santa Monica. Hey, Bill. Welcome to the broadcast. Hello, Brett. Uh, my choices are Bernie or Elizabeth. I give money to both. But on your station, I heard an interview, an hour interview with. Uh, Marianne Williamson, and mm-hmm. I was really surprised. I never paid much attention to her before, but uh, things should you should listen, or people should listen to her. She had some very good ideas. Well, as she will Biden, she will be on the stage. I believe she's on on Wednesday. She is Oprah Winfrey's uh, considered her spiritual advisor. She's an author, and uh, yeah. As far as uh, what Bill, you started to say, I cut you off. Oh, and as far as Biden, when uh, the flap came out about him working with the racists, he said. I spent my life working on civil rights. Well, someone should ask him about his stance on busing in the 70s, which he voted against. Yep. If Biden wins, we'll have Trump again, I guarantee you, because there's so many on the left. I know you don't agree with this, but they'll go back to Jill Stein. If we go back to Biden, it'll be just like before. Despite what anybody thinks of Trump, we never would have heard of Ocasio-Cortez. We never heard of, heard of Katie Porter had Trump not been elected. There's a movement in the Democratic Party that is going left, and Biden will set it back. Um, and, Bill, i got to get out. I'm at the top of the hour. But, Bill, if Biden wins the nomination, will you be voting for him? No, I won't. I'll vote for Jill Stein. So you would rather see, if that means uh, four more years for Donald Trump, you're still good, well, you're still good on that. Trump has done more for the left than Biden ever will. So you're good for four more years of Donald Trump, correct? If it's Biden, yeah, because I do not want to see the Democratic take a step backwards, and that's what will happen with Biden. Hey, take a look around you at at how many steps have been taken backwards over the last two and a half years, Bill. I appreciate I do appreciate the call. Listen, and and I would let you keep going, but I'm up at the top of the clock here, top of the hour. I got to go, Bill. We'll continue this conversation, I promise. Love to hear back from you. Uh, Appreciate it, Bill. Thank you. Let me give, uh, it wouldn't be the same if we didn't get Morris in. There you go. I know. Morris, uh, Long Beach, you got 15 seconds, my friend. Hey, if if uh, the vice president is a Christian, Mike Pence, I'm, I'm looking for a rabbi right now. Okay, <laughs> and uh, my choice for president is uh, 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 what's that man, Morgan Freeman, and Meryl Streep, the vice president. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Morris. I appreciate that. Okay, we got to get out. My thanks to all of our callers today. Uh, Sorry I couldn't get to everyone. We will try to do it again uh, next week, uh, this time, uh, after the wrap-up of the first Democratic debates. But we'll be here with you every week, five days a week, as we are on the broadcast. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Ricky Harara, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program... Feel free to download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. That is, of course, thanks to those of you who donate at bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. That is it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I hope. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.